I often thought about having some sort of church uh, word trivia contest or something like that, where we would come and we would sort of go through some words we use a lot at church, but don't necessarily use a lot out in public, like atonement, things like that. Uh, but also, even words that are common, but we often, uh, that they're so important that we really need to understand them well. Uh, one of those words is worship, right, is worship. How do we worship? What is worship? We can use it as an adjective, like, is this a worship service? We can use it as a noun, I give God my worship. We can use it as a verb, right? Like, I'm going to worship God. And this is such an integral part of who we are as Christians, of our identity, uh, that it is crucial if we're going through this sermon series called Walk the Walk. This is our second uh, uh, installment of this series, you know, walking the walk, meaning we want to make sure we're not just people who know a lot, who think a lot, uh, and speak a lot, but that we actually walk the walk. Our actions reflect God, that every step that we take is one that's rooted in our faith and reflects our faith. So if we're going to do that, then we have to walk in an attitude of worship. And that's what we're going to look at today as we look at 1 Corinthians, excuse me, as we look at Colossians 1, um, 9 through 14. And especially there's a verse that talks about walking worthy of the Lord. How do we do that? How do we walk worthy of the Lord? That's what we're really going to uh, look at. Uh, and when we talk about walking, one of the reasons we're using that terminology is that in the Bible, there's many times where it refers to, again, walking with the Lord, uh, as we'll see today, walk worthy uh, in a manner worthy of the Lord, that this term walk is used, and it really means living. And the reason, they have other words for living in both the Hebrew and the Greek, but the reason they use that terminology is it emphasizes the day-to-day -day actions, the day-to-day -day steps that we take as we live out our faith. So it's not just a concept, right? That, that living for the Lord, walking with, is not just a, a concept, but it's actual day-to-day -day choices, decisions that we make um, in our faith. So if Christians, if we're going to walk the walk of faith, we need to show the matchless value, the matchless worth of both the gift we've received, but also the giver. So let's look today at Col Colossians chapter 1. And it's starting in verse 9, but let me just give you some context. This one's a little bit easy because Paul starts the letter by saying, Hi, I'm Paul. I'm writing to you, church, the, uh, in Colossae, Colossians. And he says, I'm, I, I pray and thanks uh, because I hear you've uh, received faith. You put your faith in the gospel. All right, there's another church word that's very important that we should probably define. The gospel, according to 1 Corinthians 15, is Christ died for our sins. He was buried, and he rose from the dead, and he was saw by a lot of people. Now, we need to really unpack that. But Paul is saying, I'm so grateful that ever since you uh, put your faith in the gospel, it's been bearing fruit not only among you, but everywhere, throughout the world. Right, and then he starts saying this. So first, uh, excuse me, Colossians chapter 1. He says, and so from the day we heard, that's of your faith in Jesus, okay, that's back from verse 4, we've not ceased to pray for you, 
asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And then after this in verse 15, we'll get to that, he starts to describe how matchless and how worthy Christ is. So here, Paul is basically saying, hey, since I heard of your faith, I haven't stopped praying that you would walk worthy of the gift and walk worthy of the giver. And he heard, once Paul heard that the Colossians had believed the gospel, he begins to pray for them constantly. And look at the content of his prayer. What is he praying for, for them? That, that they might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, bearing fruit um, in every good work. I, I wonder, as we think about how can you and I walk in a way worthy of the Lord, and you might be a little bit discouraged today. You might be thinking, yeah, I really have trouble doing that. Well, have, have you prayed this? Have you prayed it for yourself? Have you prayed it for your church? Because the first step in walking in a way worthy of the Lord is wanting it right, is saying, God, I want what you have, and understanding that God, that Christ is worthy, and the gift that he gives is so worthy that we really just want to walk in it, that we want all that he has to offer, and so maybe if we're not walking in a worthy manner, it's because we're not seeking it. That's that's the basic first step. So Paul says, I don't know, you know, Colossians, I've heard of your faith, and I'm so glad for it, but I, I'm going to start praying for you. I'm going to start praying that you would be filled with the knowledge of his will. And as you're filled with that knowledge, then you're going to walk in that manner worthy of God, fully pleasing to him. And so what if we started praying that today? Is that your prayer? Is that my prayer, that we would walk in a manner worthy? So what does that mean, all right? Walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Well, it means... What Walk in a way that the Lord deserves. Walk in a way that the gift he's given, um, it reflects, right, that the, the worth of that gift. And he gives us a clue. So when we think, All right, what is, well, what does that mean? What is, you know, worthy of the Lord that, yes, God deserves a lot, but how, what does that look like? He gives us a clue because he says, walk in a way worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. Fully pleasing to him. That makes sense, right? If you really value someone, you do things to please them because they're so valuable. And it's the same here. They deserve it. You know, oftentimes when a couple comes to me and they might be having some marriage problems, one of the things that really undermines that relationship is when one spouse gives the other spouse the idea that they're not valued, right? That they're not worthy, and so often they'll say, well, you know, he or she, he, he doesn't even care what I want. All he cares is about himself, right? He doesn't think about that kind of stuff. 
That, and, and when I express something that I really want, he doesn't act like it even matters. And, and uh, wise couples won't, won't allow that to happen for too long because they understand that this relationship is the most important relationship in their lives. It is worthy of attention. It is, it, and, and not paying attention to it, that's, that's not right. And so they seek to have their marriage reflect the value that's there. And they, they need to get back to showing the worth of the other person by, well, taking what pleases the other person into account. And so the same idea here it is with God. What would please God? Because if we're going to walk in a way worthy of God, it's walk, doing those things that please him. When that's what Paul says. He says, so what would, what would please God? We might be thinking of that. Well, that's why Paul says he's praying that they would be filled, look at that, with the knowledge of his will. But then he goes on to, to sort of say, well, what would that look like if you're really walking in God's will? What would really please him? Well, what would please God is, well, bearing more fruit, right? More knowledge, more intimacy with God, more power, more patience, more thanks, right? That's all in there. I mean, who doesn't want that? Who doesn't want more, of, more knowledge of God, more intimacy with God, more God's power go, going through your life? So it's interesting because we might think, well, you know, what pleases God? And we think about sort of rules and regulations. But here, Paul is just saying, you know what pleases God? Is that you fully unwrap his gift. You fully unwrap his presence, his power in your life. And enjoy it. Because that's the thing about God. God is so loving. And he really doesn't need anything from us. A big part of it is just him giving himself out of love. And if we're going to walk worthy of the Lord, that means we embrace that gift. We walk in that gift. And that's exactly what he wants. That's actually what pleases the Lord. Some people who come at religion from sort of a guilt-based perspective, this is something that you need to get into your head and get into your heart. That your life is not about a drudging obligation to follow God's, all, all of God's rules and regulations. It's really about opening the gift that he gives and all that he is. And so worthy of the gift, a part of how do we walk, because again, we're talking about walking the walk. How do we walk in a manner worthy of the Lord? A big part of it is, is, is walking in a way that reflects the worthiness of this gift, the gift that he's given of himself. And that's the emphasis in Ephesians 4.1. So there's a, a couple places where it talks about walking in a way worthy of the Lord and um, the one we're particularly looking at is Colossians, but also in Ephesians 4.1. We looked at it last week. It says, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy, and then it says, of the calling to which you've been called. In Ephesians, Paul is emphasizing the fact that, you know, this gift, the matchless value of this gift that God has given you, this calling, walk in all that it is. And remember, in chapters 1 through 3, he just talked about you have a new identity in Christ. 
You are now children of God. He, is, he has saved you from, the, from uh, you know, your sins. You were dead in your trespasses and sin. He's made you alive in Christ. Now you're a temple of the Spirit. You're part of God's family. You're citizens of his kingdom. And now he says, that's your calling. That's God's gift. Uh, and now I urge you, walk in a manner worthy of that gift. Think about, think about the best gift anyone ever gave you. And I know we all want to spiritualize it now and say, yeah, Jesus and all this stuff. But I meant like a material gift. Now, imagine that someone gives you a car. Nice, right? Who couldn't use some wheels, right? Maybe a, a WRX. That's one of my favorites. Where's, where's Sam? There you go. He's got one. I don't covet it, though. I don't covet it. No. But I like, I like that's an, a nice car. Think about it. Someone just gives you that. Now, you probably would be blown away, and you'd say, man, and you drive it, right? Wouldn't you drive it? If someone gave you a, a car, you'd be like, yeah, I'm going to get in that. I'm going to roll the windows down, turn up the bass, you know, <laughs> drive through my neighborhood. Hey, peoples. Um, because the gift, like, it's valuable. Now, imagine, though, someone gave you a car, and like, oh, thanks, and then you just leave it in the garage. The person who gave it to you would be like, what are you doing? I mean, yeah, I, I stepped out. I gave you this out of my generosity, and you're not even driving it? That's kind of how we often treat the new life in Christ, is that God gives us this amazing gift, and we keep it in the garage. One of the other parts of the gifts, right? So you might think, oh, wow, what is that gift? You know, what's the gift of Christ? What's that eternal life? Basically, that's what the whole New Testament's about. Um, but one of the things it's also about is being rescued, that the unmatched value of what Christ has given us is, he didn't just give us a car, he gave us new life. And the, the terminology that Colossians 12 uses, it's, it's kind of like we should think about, yes, we have inheritance as his children. I just talked about that stuff. But also it's like being rescued. Um, verse 13, he has delivered us, he's rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And so we can think about that gift in another way. That what can be compared in, the, in worth of not only becoming a child of God, but also like being rescued. Nothing can compare to that. Of being delivered from sin and death, the domain of darkness, and being transferred to the kingdom of God. And that's why oftentimes that terminology, rescued, is being used. And again, think about, have you, have you ever watched a program where um, someone... Uh, again, whether it's a firefighter or a police officer, a first responder, has saved someone's life. They've rescued them. They were drowning or they were stuck in a car, whatever, and they are rescued. So they were as good as dead, and then they're rescued. And listen to what those people say that have been rescued. It's, it's not usually, <laughs> I've never heard this. Hey, thanks. You know, here's a 20. That should, that, here's a little 20 spot for you saving my life. That should even things out, right? No, they never say that. It's usually, I am so grateful. Like, you have given me new life. And, and they often, especially if that person risked their life to save the other, they'll often say things, I just want to honor that person. I want to do something. I want, I've got a second chance. And so now I want to live in a way that honors the person who rescued me, but also honors the gift of new life that I have. 
And so I'm going to live differently. And maybe some of you have seen, um, again, with the, the 20th anniversary of 9-11, some stories of people who, who, who had a second chance, who rescue, were rescued. or They always say the same types of things. I'm so grateful. And so now I want to live in this wonderful gift of rescue. No one ever just says, here's a 20. Doesn't happen. And, and that's the picture that's used here, is that, that Christ has saved us, he's rescued us from the domain of darkness, and this gift, it's a gift of life so that we walk in it. We, it's, it's not like it's a one-time gift where, again, you say thanks, like a gift of Cracker Barrel or something, and then you get your, your cheese grits, and, 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 then the, and, the gift, and then the gift card's all used up, and that's it. No, this is a gift of life. A gift that you walk in, you live in it. And that's how, one of the ways when it says, how do we walk in a worthy manner? God says, you know what's worthy? It's worthy of the gift. I gave my life for you so that you would live. And so a part of living in a worthy way is living. Is living in the glorious gift of eternal life with God's presence and his power and all of these things. And the idea of being rescued, it also, it fits well with, in the last couple of years, we've been talking about this thing called the Vine Project. And the Vine Project, um, I can't go into it all now, but put up that slide of the, the steps. And we, we've talked about this, is that whenever we come together, one of the things we want to do is every time we want to take a step towards Jesus. Right? Hopefully this sounds familiar. If you're new, then this might not be familiar. But that's one of our goals, is that as we try to grow Christ followers, that because the gift of Christ is about living, every time we gather, the goal is, all right, I want to take a step closer to Christ. If we could say it, I want to take a step in, into all the gift that Christ has given and this passage here talks about how Christ transferred us from the domain of darkness into the children of light. That there is a time in our lives when we place our faith in Christ, when we say yes to Jesus, when he has that gift of eternal life through his work alone on the cross. This is the gospel. When we say yes to it, that Christ takes us from the domain of darkness to be dead in our sins and our trespasses, and he transfers us to the kingdom of light, we become children of God. There's a certain time. That's where that cross is, right? Where, and maybe you're not a believer. Maybe you fully haven't embraced that. Well, when you're here today, I pray that you'd cross that threshold. But even if you don't, even if you just take a step closer to considering Jesus, that's one of our goals. But if you are a believer, then you're not done. Again, the gift of Christ is not like a Cracker Barrel gift card. It's meant to be lived so that today, even if you've been a Christian for 20, 30, 40 years, God's saying, all right, you're not, I want you to walk fully in my power. I want you to fully step into all the gift I have for you. And in so doing that we reflect the worthiness of the gift. So are we doing that? And that's what Paul's praying. He hears that the Colossians, that they've stepped from death into life, and he's, he's like, oh, good, you're done. I can move on. He says, oh, I heard you've, you've trusted in the gospel. I haven't stopped praying that you'd fully walk in that gift, that you'd, you'd, that you'd be full of the knowledge of God's will, and when you're full of the knowledge of God's will, you know that he wants you to grow in his power, his presence, and his purposes. So I'm praying that you do that. 
What if we started to pray like that for ourselves and for other people? The other thing, though, so when walk worthy of the Lord, if we're going to walk the walk, we have to walk worthy of the Lord. But the other aspect is walking worthy not only reflects the matchless um, worth of the gift, but also the matchless worth of the giver. And that's where we start to really get into worship, really get into worship. Because if Paul, um, he writes to Colossians, we stopped reading at verse 14. But now let's read a little bit more because he continues to say, yeah, walk worthy of the Lord because, yeah, the gift is great. You've been rescued, all of this. But let me also tell you about the matchless worth of Christ. So verse 15, he says, Christ is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. That is everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. He is worthy. He is worthy. He is number one in creation. So he is number one in creation. By him, all things were created. Did you see how he says that? He's number one in the church. He's the author of resurrection. And he reconciles all creation to himself through the cross. And all the fullness of God dwells in him, in Christ. He is worthy. Whether we recognize it or not, Christ is number one. He's number one in the universe. And so walking worthy also means that our lives reflect this truth. This truth that there's no one more worthy than Christ in all the universe. And that's what worship is. Worship is assigning something worth, value. And here, Paul says, make no mistake, there's nothing more valuable, nothing more worthy than the creator and sustainer of all the universe. That makes sense. And so if he is number one, then he deserves to have his will followed in all areas of our life, right? That Christ is not just, uh, you know, preeminent on Sundays. I didn't see him, I didn't see Paul saying that. That, yeah, he's, you know, like how the days of the week were kind of, na- or we, we take them often from, from pagan gods. You know, like Thursdays, Thursday, and all that stuff. Like, yeah, he's got a special day. We don't do that as Christians. I mean, we still call days, but we're, all right, I'm not going to go off on that tangent. But anyways, like, Jesus is preeminent over every day. And so the question is, do I show God is utmost of value and worth, do I do what's pleasing to him in every area of my life, in my relationships, with my finances, with how I spend my time, with how I treat others, in what I pursue in life? Because if he is worthy, if, if what Paul says is true, then he's worthy of all those things. That in order to walk in a way worthy of the Lord, pleasing into everything, to, um, doing things pleasing to him, that's not just pl- pleasing in this one area. It's pleasing him in all things because he is preeminent. 
So that means as individuals, we need to ask ourselves, am I holding up, am I walking in a way worthy in this area of my life, in this area of my life, on this day, on this day? Because Christ deserves nothing less than everything. And that's how we walk in a way that's worthy. It's how we walk in a way worthy as the church. As just like we as individuals have lives that we walk and we live, as a church we have life and we walk and live in these things. Are we walking worthy as a church? Because, you know, I often say, a second Baptist, Christ is first. That'll just be a slogan. That is just a slogan if he's not really first. If when it comes to what we do and how we do it, it's more about pleasing people. Then Christ is not really first. That's just a slogan. We need to get in our minds that to walk worthy is that Christ is worthy of all things. And so we could ask the question, again, defining terms, is this a worship service? Well, that depends. Are we wanting, as we gather together, to, to gather together because we want to step into all the gifts that God has given and we want to show him as number one in our gathering? That when people gather together, they might not quite understand all the things that we're doing, but they say, whoa, those people are crazy in love with Jesus. So that means there'll, there'll, be, there'll be times. Like, like, Nathan, you had some sort of rain stick there. I was like, <laughs> what is that? I don't understand the rain stick. I don't. But I know that when Nathan's doing that stick, right, he's like, man, God, you're worthy. I, I just want to praise you. I don't, I don't get it. But I don't need to because it's not about me. So if, if I go to Nathan, Nathan, you know, um, I don't really know about that rain stick. I don't like the rain stick. You know what I'd hope Nathan would say to me? He'd say, well, that's okay because I'm not doing it for you. Yeah. Right? <laughs> that this worship, it's not about pleasing me or anyone. It's about pleasing God. And my vision for Second Baptist Church is that it, it really is that simple, that Jesus would be number one in everything we do. So there's going to be, there's, and, and so is this a worship service? Only, yes, we want it to be, but is it a worship service for you? Only you can answer that question. Meaning, did I seek to make Jesus number one when I came? You know, um, over a decade ago, uh, Second Baptist Church broke into two um, worship services. Many of you who've been here a long time know about that. And I understand the reasoning for this, right? It probably was a good decision at the time. Now, COVID has made it so that we only have one service and we're all together. And that's caused some pressure. But I really think that it's God trying to bring us to a place of deeper worship. Because the, the reasoning was, 
all right, we'll give people everything that will make them happy, right? So that people who are really contemporary, they'll have all the things they want. People who are more traditions, they'll have all the things that they want. And although I understand that, it put within our spiritual DNA something that undermines worship. And that is, what does God want, first and foremost? Always, what does God want? And so, as we move forward, what is that going to mean? It's going to mean that there'll be, doing, there'll be things that you're like, yeah, I don't know about that, like the rain stick. <laughs> but, <laughs> and then there'll be other things that you're like, yeah, do more of that. And then there'll be other people like, don't do more of this. But really, in order for us to truly walk in a way worthy of our calling as a church, it's always going to come back to, all right, does this hold Jesus up as number one in our lives and in our church? And again, so that there'll be just, I'm just guaranteeing, wherever you are in the spectrum of your preferences, there's going to be things you don't like. Right? And, 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 and COVID's really done that with us too. And that like, you know, masks and distancing, no one likes that. But as we do these things, we do them because we want to worship God, love people, and grow as Christ followers. And so as a church and as individuals, we need to walk in a way that's worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. And I know that's not easy because we not only are born to look at everything from a, a, a selfish lens, but our culture also tells us to do that, right? We're consumer culture, Burger King, have it your way. Like that's where we, we've been, we, we grow with that sin nature, but then we're also, that's reinforced. But Christ calls us to something more. He calls us to self-sacrifice. He calls us to putting him as number one. And so let's do that. So do you want that? I think that's the first thing. Do you want to, to walk in a way that's worthy of Christ? Then first step is pray that, right? Pray this. Start praying it for yourself. Stop praying it for our church. Pray it for one another, that, that we would be filled with the knowledge of his will. So if you don't know where to go, you're like, I don't know what to do with that sermon. Just start praying this. Just start praying, God, would you fill me with the knowledge of your will so that I would walk in a manner worthy of you, Lord, fully pleasing to you? That's the first step. That's, if we all did that, if we all just stopped and did that every single day, then God would say, oh, you, you really want all of the gift? You want all of this new life I've given you? Well, that's exactly what I want to give you. And then we start to experience more of his presence in our gatherings and in our life, more of his power and more of his purposes. So that's the first thing. Pray that. And if you know the worth of Christ, then walk in that worth. Every step, every step, as we pray, ask God, God, what area in my life am I sort of keeping away from you? What area am I showing you is not worthy Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's um, your finances. I don't know. This is between you and God. So pray for God to, that you would step into all that God has for you. And let's do that together. Let's do this together. I make that commitment to you. 
that Christ will be number one in our church. He will be. But being Christ being number one in our church, it also means lots of forgiveness, doesn't it? Lots of forgiveness because we're, we want to walk in all that God has for us. Sometimes we make mistakes. Sometimes we fall short. Sometimes we mix up our will with God's will, and that hurts other people. But if we walk in Christ, we're also going to walk in his forgiveness. Let's do that. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we ask that we would take a step towards you today. We thank you so much. We want to walk in a way that's worthy of you in our church, in our lives. Holy Spirit, would you move about this place and show us, each one of us in our heart, the area that we're holding back from you. That we're saying you're not worthy to be number one in this area. Lord, for some it's a relationship. For some it's our goals in life. For some, God, you just search our heart, Lord. Bring it to mind. Show us. And then, Lord, may we hand that over to you. And we do this now, Lord. We hand over to you these things. And we take a step into the gift of eternal life that you've given. Show us what's pleasing to you. Lord, we pray that you'd fill us with a knowledge of your will so that we would walk in a manner worthy of you, fully pleasing to you, and that we would receive all of your power to do that. We would be full of thankfulness and your joy in all things, God. Work that in us as individuals. And Lord, as a church body, would you unify us? Lord, there, there's no other goal worthy of your church other than glorifying you, making you number one. Lord, we've fallen short of that in so many ways. We've fallen short of that today. But Lord, we pray that we would step fully into making that a reality in every gathering. And Lord, now we, we praise you. And we do this in Jesus' name. Amen.